Hey guys, I just wanted to reach out to you and let you know that Surewinder is still selling amazing products. Some of you guys have been dragging your feet for whatever reason. If your shoulder hurts, do not waste time. Pull the trigger. I just bought uh, four or five of them and uh, we had two guys out. You know how much it cost me to pay for two guys being out with bad shoulders? We just pulled the trigger and we said, listen, everybody's going to have one on a truck. It's mandatory. You got to use it. Don't hesitate. Don't wait till your guys go down. It's going to cost you more. Buy a Surewinder. It's not every day someone invents something that changes the game. I found out about this product that I'm talking to you about uh, and I had to try it. So I ordered a few and after using it, I'm sold. Now we stock them on our trucks. It's called All Brace and it will help you sell more service and buy you time until doors come in. There's never been a greater time for a product like this. Phil has a video on his website of him cutting a door literally in half, installing the all brace and running it like nothing ever happened. It is literally incredible. One of the greatest selling videos I've ever seen. You're gonna wanna check it out at all-brace.com. Hey guys, welcome to Torsion Oh my God, I've never screwed that up before. That is the first time. Welcome to Torsion Talk. I'm just going to leave it because no one's perfect. And that is the first time for it. I've never screwed that up. Today's going to be very interesting. Uh, matter of fact, speaking of interesting, uh, Megan Likes is with us. I, I am just so intrigued by this woman uh i watched her at vertical track at uh tommy mellow's event and she literally talked about the most boring thing ever and she was like jumping on the stage excited to talk about it had so much energy and just the way she talked about it, i felt like she had the whole audience captivated she was talking about balance sheets and for like an hour and yeah like uh, the sexiest was, topic of all time right i was hooked you had me though <laughs> i mean you had the whole audience i don't even know how you did it like, how do you talk about balance sheets for an hour? Well, you killed it. And uh, while I was watching that, I was like, man, we got to get this girl on the podcast because I love her energy. She's interesting. She's able to take a boring topic and make it fun. Um, and so uh, I had text Tamara or emailed her. I was like, hey, uh, here's this chick's information. Like, we got to get her on the podcast, do whatever you can. I just watch her speak and she's really good. Like, help me out. And uh, like, I think we had her booked like before she even got on the plane to leave or something. I'm not sure. <laughs> but uh, Tamara's the badass.com uh, over here. So, Megan, my audience doesn't know you. So tell us a little bit about you, what you do and um, and what your specialties are. Uh, my name is Megan Likes, and I'm a CPA based out of Northern California. And my passion is educating small business owners to know and understand their numbers. So I geek out about helping entrepreneurs not fail, like because the odds are stocked against us pretty much in every industry. I happen to own a home service industry business. I own a window cleaning, gutter cleaning business. So that's kind of my passion. That's where I like to hang out. Those are the people that I like to start with. Um, and I'm married to a super cool guy who is going to be really sad to hear that his wife is out gallivanting in dark alleys. Maybe we can after beep, dark. beep that out. Maybe we can. Uh, no, Jeff's very used to it. Uh, I'm, I'm quite lucky. I, <laughs> I've got an awesome husband. And he hates money and he hates numbers and he hates computers. And... I think back in the day, he hated business. What he loved was cleaning windows. And he is a freaking awesome window cleaner. I get to brag because I'm the wife, but he's a world champion window cleaner. And he is like the classic person in the home service industry, right? He is the technician who could do it bigger and better and goes out and starts his own thing. And yeah. then that's basically where it stopped. He's a really good window cleaner. And over the years, his wife, me, I'm the wife, I love to travel. I travel like 20 weeks a year. I think that's dated. I think it's more like 40 weeks a year. I don't know. I feel like I'm constantly gone. I am home currently, um, but I got home yesterday and I leave again tomorrow. Um, I love to travel and it didn't, it wouldn't work. Like you can't travel and clean windows. Like that doesn't work. So I needed him to build a business so that other people could clean windows and he could travel with me. So I don't have to walk along dark alleys by myself in the middle of the night. Like this was, the, this is the life goal, Ryan. We're working on the life goal, right? I love it. Um, <laughs> You're moving in the right direction. 
Okay, we're moving in the right direction. Jeff, Jeff's traveled probably over 20 weeks this year. His biggest one was we went to Africa twice this summer and uh, he was gone. What do you from do in Africa? I help girls stay in school. That's, That's my awesome. passion. Yeah. So What's your passion? My passion is keep, well, my passion is like helping business owners. Yeah. And then like, it got to a point where like, that's, that's cool. But now I want to inspire people to make more money. Right. And because my husband's not financially motivated and I'm not terribly financially motivated, we had to figure out a reason why we wanted to make more money because we don't need any more money. <laughs> like we're in good shape yeah. financially. So then you figure out like, oh, we could make more money to give more money, right? Yep. And then the more we give, the more we end up doing. And then it kind of feeds into the travel thing. So I'm a very proud Rotarian. I believe in serving above myself. And um, the place that I have found my most service is in Kenya these days. And so I've started a program called The Pads Project. And um, I'm fighting to give girls three to five years of extra education in Kenya right now. And it's a big, big task to take on. There's 4.2 million girls that are needing my help. Wow. And um, and we're going to get through it. And then How can people help you with that? Uh, you can visit thepadsproject.com and you can see the work we're doing and donate $10 will buy a girl an extra three to five years of that education, one girl. Wow. The project wow. is expanding from Kenya to Mexico. And I had a meeting at the end of October. We're hoping to get it into India. And um, it's it's pretty cool. Like, it, and it's a weird thing to talk about. No offense, Ryan, but with men, it's hard to talk about. But like, we're going to go there because you opened it up. Uh, one in two people in the world menstruate. Right. And, and <laughs> yes, <laughs> in developing countries, it's really weird. They don't go to school when they're once they hit puberty. So oh. uh, these girls are hitting puberty at like age 10 and then they're having to drop out of school. And so if there was a way to help them stay in school during that one Into week a month, pads. this is the pad. Wow. Yeah. It just all came together. Yep. I did not see that coming. I know. I and like I have I to give an talks. uppercut to the chin just now. I'm sorry, but I have to give talks in front of Rotary, which is all old white guys. No, I think it's uh, great. And the I have to remind you. Pads Project know, what? Dot com. The, pad, the Pads Project. The Pads. Okay. So. And I have to give talks to these guys and remind them, like, you got a mom. Hopefully you have a wife. You maybe have a daughter. And it's a weird thing that we don't want to talk about. Uh, there's a ton of stigma around it. But no, dude, listen, I'm totally cool with it. I have to go to the freaking grocery store and buy them. Okay. So, so, and that's privilege because you can, and there are, there are people in developing countries who cannot. And so we developed over the past five years, a template that's easy to sew, easy to source the materials, easy to teach, and then easy to distribute. And then we Is this created your nonprofit or are you just affiliated with it? It's my baby that is not officially of a nonprofit. It runs through the Rotary nonprofit. Okay. So, and Rotary is a giant nonprofit. Rotary is about to like cure polio. So my goal is, wouldn't it be cool? Hey, RI, if you guys are listening, it'd be really great if you picked up this project and this was your next polio thing. So let's like eradicate girls not being able to go to school when they hit puberty, because that sucks. And that is, that is sexism. <laughs> so that's what I do in Kenya. And um, it turned into a bunch of other cool things. So we do well projects now. We do water projects. We're working on a solar pump. We do latrines. Um, it's kind of like the holistic thing. Um, we actually met Aaron Gaynor at the uh, vertical track event. And I told him, I was like, I we need to be friends because we should talk about latrines because he's in the plumbing industry. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's cool. Like I do a lot of stuff at home and I do a lot of stuff abroad. And um, in between there, like how I pay my bills is I inspire business owners to figure out their money because I've, I've found that if you can't figure out the money in your business, then you will fail. And that sucks, but it's pretty much guaranteed. Um, and people hate going and talking to me about money more than they hate going to the dentist. Um and it's not me personally, it's like my industry as a whole. I think I mentioned I'm a CPA. Um, and so I just try and make it more fun and interesting and exciting and different. And now you've sent me down a giant rabbit hole. And I we, love it. And we talked about men's super sorry, fun. Ryan, for sure. I told you, Tamara, isn't she like she's so fun? Just, yeah. She's like one of those. I already like wind up money stresses me out. Yeah. I I was totally prepared to be stressed, and I am not one bit stressed right now. 
let's talk about money. Yeah, please. <laughs> like it, like math is the path. Money is the key. And um, it can actually be super fun once you figure it out. Once you can have these mindset shifts, it gets really cool. Yeah. So I apologize if I'm distracted. I'm literally giving you money right now. Oh, Ryan, uh, you're the best. So I want to encourage all of our listeners to look, just go drop a little money, uh, help out. Little girls need pads. And I have an 11 year old daughter. And, um, you know, she's miserable to live with sometimes, but she's awesome. And she's going through her little time here. And so, do you have uh, any, do you have any boys? I do. I've got an 11 year old girl and a seven year old boy. Okay. So the thing that like completely blew my mind five years ago when I learned about this is like, I cannot imagine as a parent being like, cause you're a boy, you get to keep going to school, but cause you're a girl and we can't afford to like, you know, keep you cause they, they have to wear uniforms. They only have one uniform. And if the girl gets it dirty, it's over. Thank you. I see a donation received right there. Look, just so y'all know, I'm not playing. So uh, pressure's on y'all. I want everybody to go donate. It's $10. $10. Well, he doesn't have $10 to throw this. So yeah. if you guys could go on the padsproject.com, just give them 10 bucks. Uh, if everybody does it, listen to the podcast. Um, it'll be really good. So I have right, never Megan. pitched that. Nobody's ever asked me about Africa. Apparently I should walk down dark alleys with strange men more often. You, that's you, the, that's you got the a $10 tip. You got a $10 tip for it. Jeff, Jeff, he's joking. Dad, he's joking. (laughs) This is, you're going to get me in trouble. I am blushing. I never blush. I know. He does the same thing to me all the time. I'm so good at it. It's just fun. (laughs) Um, All right. So question, Megan, let's get this party started. Do you or do you not have cats? I have no cats. I am not a cat person. Okay. I just made a joke before the interview and I saw your face. So. I just wanted to make sure you were like, well, I was just thinking like, I'm not a cat person, but I don't think I would say I hate cats, but I would say I hate paper, which was the other thing that Ryan do hate paper. Yeah. I I think it kills my soul, but I was like, cats don't kill my soul. I just am indifferent to them. So, yeah, but paper, I, I die a slow death when I see paper. It makes me me too. Tamara, do I not get like anxiety attacts around paper? Like I literally act like I don't know what's going on. Yeah, I mean, they give Nothing. you paper cuts. They sit there on your desk I'm, and just clutter. I'm so proud. Like I have file cabinets that have nothing in them. It like makes me so happy. So all right, so we're we're going to talk. You have a program. We're going to talk about that later before we get off. But I want to get into the meat of the topic, and that is uh, numbers. What we should be watching, um, and I want to talk a little bit about like uh, hiring, offsetting costs for hiring, and things like that. Since you're kind of a money's guru. Um, what, uh, what as a business owner, what are some of the reports that business owners or some of the things on the P and L that we should be watching on a regular basis? Oh man, I thought we were making fun of Tommy for making me talk about this stuff. Are we going to definitely do that? I mean, that's like my favorite thing. No, uh, we can totally, I have a quick, like a quick check that I like to do on a monthly basis. And it's easy yep. to just run through. My fear is like, we're not live. So I can't see you listeners. So if your eyes are glazing over, like just take a deep breath. I'm from California. It will be over in like two seconds. And mm-hmm. if you actually listen to me, it will make an infinite difference to your pocketbook and your wallet and your family bank account and your employees, families, bank account and your community's bank accounts, because my goal is to inspire you to give to nonprofits. Right. So um, oh, before you jump in, yeah, I just want to share something real quick. You said something earlier and it reminded me of something. Someone once told me that I was going to be super successful, but that I needed to keep one thing in mind. And I said, what is that? He said, you need to be a window that people can get money through not someone that people can get money to. Mm. And when you said that about like, oh, you're at a place where you don't really need to make more money. So, but we can keep working and pushing and make that money go for good cause. I'm big on that. I'm a big believer on giving back and um, charitable, whether that's time or money, uh, regardless of whatever it is, I think we all need to chip in and do a, a good job of like making the world better. And so um, I'm a, I, I live by that. I believe that, um, that I'm a window. Right. And it's I just love that. And to us, it was like this mindset shift where like, there's a little bit of shame and greed around money and like feeling like, you know, when you get to a certain point, like what's the point of continuing, yeah. you know, and the first time I went to Kenya, 
the way they said goodbye to me was they said, go home and be successful so that you can come back and help us be successful. And I was like, challenge accepted. Like they just gave me a mission. Let's go do that. That's a great plan. Yes. Let's do that. So, um, yeah, that helped my husband. My husband, his goal in business was to make $100,000 gross. That was, that was his, like, I made it, I made it in life. That's what he wanted. And then, you know, it turned into, okay, $100,000 net. Right. And then it turned into $100,000 a month, you know, like, and it just, it's kind of funny how money is so scary and numbers are so hard and we don't talk about it. I, I hate that in our industry and in home service, we don't talk about it. What we talk about is marketing. What we talk about is sales. What we talk yeah. about is the sexy, fun topics. But at the end of the day, I have spent over 15, now probably almost 20, but we're not going to date myself, years meeting one-on-one with people in my office who run million-dollar companies and don't have enough money to pay themselves. Why they do you a- think there's guilt when it comes to making money? Because I think that's a, an issue that we don't talk about often. And I think it's real because I talk to a lot of business owners and that seems to be a true thing that just doesn't get talked about. And then you have like, I, I make fun of people sometimes it's probably not right, but um, you know, people will say things like, you know uh, you're ripping people off, you know, I can do that job for this. And I'm like, okay, great. Like uh, put down your hero Cape and um, you know, let's just sit down and talk for a minute because it's not a, it's, it's, I think people take a lot of pride in helping people, which is great. I think that's awesome. And I think that there's a lot of good people in our industry that genuinely think that that is giving back when in reality, that is not giving back. You are cheating yourself. You're cheating your family. You're cheating, like you said, cheating your community. Um, I think you charge fair prices for your services um, and, and, charge enough to make a profit and grow your company and free your time. So you can spend time with your family and you watch your kids grow up and all that stuff and pay people to do the things you don't like um, and enjoy life. You should charge enough to do that. And then also find somewhere where you can dump your money, um, whether that's a charitable donation or a church or uh, a, a mission or whatever, well, let's, right? Let's start with step one. Cause I'm going to guess that most of your listeners are in that first step. And I'm going to say that if you have ever been told in your company that you're not charging a fair price or you're robbing people, the person that's telling you that I guarantee you is not actually making money. 100% of the time they are not running a profitable business because right. that comes from a place of fear that comes from a place of anxiety that comes from the unknown of not really knowing if they're profitable or not, or not really knowing how much they're making or how much they're taking home to their family. So this fear and anxiety around money is usually rooted in they're too afraid to look at the profit and loss. They're too afraid to figure out their pricing. And in terms of a fair price, I I don't believe in a fair price. I believe that one company right next door to another company would have very different pricing structures. And those pricing structures have to do with the business. And I think that this is the beautiful part of the American dream is that we can build a business from anything. And I spent the past 15 years of my career as a tax accountant, which I will not do your taxes. If you're listening to this, I am retired. This is me officially saying it out loud. I do not do taxes anymore. Do you see all of this gray hair? There's so much tax gray hair. I hate taxes. They're terrible. Um, But you need a tax accountant. Don't do it yourself. Um, But the cool thing about doing tax returns for people is I get to see how people make money and you can make money doing anything. So if you don't like what you're doing, go change it. This is like your sign from above to (laughs) life is too short. Go do something that you enjoy doing. Right. And then figure out a way to price your services so that you can actually make money at the end of the day, doing that thing that you love and are passionate about. Um, And Ellen Rohr, she came up a lot during the vertical track event. She's freaking awesome. Originally known as the plumber's wife. She wrote a book, which is usually sitting on my desk and now I'm not going to dig through it, but it's sitting over there and it's how much should I charge? And she goes through this really great exercise about how you can figure out for your specific company, what your pricing structure should be, what your hourly rate should be, what your labor rate should be. And it's going to be very different than the business next door. It's going to be very different than people in your industry, people in your area, people not in your area, because it has to do with how many hours do you want to be working? How many employees do you want to have? 
Tommy Mello says, how nice of trucks do you want? You know, how many benefits do you want to offer? You can, math is the path. You can put that all down on paper and you can figure out how much you should charge. And I will tell you in every single one of those calculations, it has nothing to do with anybody else in your industry or in your area. So I believe that during COVID, we saw this really happen. Um, I'm from California. So we had a lot of shutdowns of businesses and the businesses that were not financially sound did not survive. And I'm sure if you're listening to this, you know of a favorite restaurant that did not make it through. You know of a favorite company that did not make it through. And they didn't do anything wrong. Like they just became a victim of their circumstance because they were not organized. They were probably not profitable to begin with. So they did not have an emergency reserve to weather that storm. And then they did not survive. And what I like to remind people when they say, you can't price like that, that's greedy. I say, your job as the business owner is to keep the business alive. So your job as a business owner is to make sure that it is priced correctly so that it will survive. So that you're, if you feel like you're robbing your customers, what happens when your customers can't use your service in a year? Right. Right. Like what happens when you can't afford to pay your employees anymore? What happens when you can't go into any more debt because you're completely capped out? Like what happens then? So that's what I love because we get really excited talking about top line numbers. And during the vertical track event, one of the things that I like to show is you can add a million dollars to your top line and actually take away from your bottom line. It's quite easy. I say as entrepreneurs, we're, we're pretty good usually at making money, but we're even better at spending it. And if we Ooh, don't keep I'm it- the best. I am a really good spender. I love spending money. Like, Listen, as a salesperson, this is, this is the challenge. My entire life, I've been able to make money. I was making, what well, I was night. Uh, I mean, sh- like I'll spill the beans here. I'm I'm 17. I was, 20, I was gonna say 21. <laughs> hundreds of thousands of dollars selling drugs. Then I was 19 selling cars, making a hundred something thousand dollars a year. Then I start, you know, I got into software and started making almost 200 grand a year. And then I started a garage door company and took a huge pay cut. I mean, I, I've, I've been able to make money. That's not the problem. The problem is, is that I'm the best spender and can justify any purchase. I can sell myself. And they say, and like, they tell you the salesperson is the easiest sale. Like you can sell a salesperson anything because in their mindset, they're thinking, oh, I could buy this. All I got to do is sell one more deal. Right. And so it's easy for me to justify purchasing all this stuff because I can say, oh, well, we'll just hire another person. We'll just sell more doors. We'll just sell more springs. Right. And so you fall into that trap and it feels good. I hate that mindset, Ryan. Like I hate it because if you're not good at math, which I have a feeling Ryan is good at math, but if you are listening to this and you do not like math and you're not good at math, you will never outsell your problem. I don't care how good of a salesperson you are. If you are not right-sided, you're just creating a bigger headache and you are just creating a bigger mess that will eventually drown you. You will eventually go underwater. I agree. But I get it. It's the, it is the mindset, right? Like, and um, another book, I'm just going to dump all the books, but Profit First is like one of my favorite books by Mike Michalowicz. We love that one. And, and Mike talks about how, this is the mindset. Well, with the next big sale, with the next big deal, you know, everything will get better the next time I sell it. And it it never does. It actually just gets worse. (laughs) He came on, we had a, we had an event, an online event. Um, Listen, just purchased the book. That's so good. We're going to just start reading. So good. Um, So we had a virtual event called virtual door dealer conference last year when they uh, canceled um, or this I can't even remember. When it, it was in April. Yeah. April this year. Yes. Holy cow. <laughs> Jesus. Um, so April this year, we did virtual door dealer conference. I lost like three months of my life uh, just because I was like 15, 20 hours a day, head down, nothing but that focused. Um, but it was a freaking hit. And we had Mike McCallowix as a speaker. Um, and then we had uh, Mike Rowe. Do you know Mike Rowe? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he my husband's a, a huge fan. Yeah, we had him on as a speaker, and and he said, "I say this to everybody because this is like one of the proudest moments of my life." He told me that I'm better than 99 percent of the interviews he's seen. Wow! 
I, I was like, what? Yeah. So I took that little snippet and I keep it and I show people all the time. Like, look, has Mike Rover said this about you? No, probably not. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> I'm such a dork. I feel like you'd send it to the one person that he has said that to. Right, right. Well, right. I was just thinking, like, I think for $50, I can get a cameo of this and then I can share it with Ryan. That's where my head went because I'm super yeah, yeah. competitive. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Try it. It's expensive um, and hard to get. I, I put in a lot of work on that one. Well, um, good job. At, that sounds awesome. Yeah, Two but Mike, great mics. Mike's amazing. Um, and uh, then he came on and actually spoke to our garage door you group. I host a group of owners uh, where it's like accountability. Um, we work on strategy and stuff like that. And so uh, he came on and talked to, and he's just super cool. We've implemented profit first uh, here at my marketing agency and then also at my door company. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it's nice. The door companies. May we we have the process. It's just not a whole lot left over at the end of the month. No, no. Are you breaking the rules? There's Wait, so well, many awesome rules to profit. First. The problem is, so I mean, you got to think about it. Like, I think what I did was I screwed myself in the beginning um, because I I financed my present for my future um, because I was running out of time and um, I had a wife who was a stay-at-home mom and we had committed to that and I was starting a door company and we cashed out everything. And so it was like, okay. And so I had to grow really fast, like super fast. Um, the first year we did like 700,000. Um, I paid myself. I think I went from making like right, right around 200,000 to 40,000 that year. I think I paid myself. And then the next year uh, it was like 1.2 or three. Um, and I gave myself a small raise uh, but we were starting to suffer at this point, right? Because we were out of savings. Um, and so we, we just, things piled up, right? And so you get, you get to that phase. It's not like we were mishandling funds or anything. It's just, I was so busy. I didn't have time to watch the numbers and I was in a truck and I'm running around and I'm, you know, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. And I'm trying to do marketing. Finally, like I'm a marketing guy. This is like a I'm probably one of the best marketing people you ever met. Here I am hiring a marketing company. You're definitely the best interviewer that Mike Rowe ever met. So exactly. See, I'm yeah. both. Nailing it. Whatever. Um, and and I do really good pigtails also on uh, safety <laughs> sensors. Uh, I'm very proud of that. Um, so now you, you just have like all these things going on. I'm hiring a marketing agency. I'm trying to hold them accountable. They're not doing their job and I'm out in the field and it just piles up. And you get to the point where you're just like, I don't even want to look at the numbers. Like, I just don't because I know it's a mess and it's very well, stressful. And I feel like if you're a listener, you could probably relate to every second of that, right? You you didn't want to look at them to start with. That's not why you started the business. You weren't good at it to start with. You didn't even know where to look, right? That's a big thing that I talk about. We don't even know. Yeah, great, PL means nothing. I can't even look at a PL for one month. It means nothing to me. You have to have something to compare it to. You have to have right. some anchor points in it. And we can totally talk about that. But the fun, the part that's fun is the marketing, right? The part that you're good at is the sales. The part that you feel comfortable with is either being in a truck and doing the work or being out there and selling the work. The thing that nobody feels comfortable with is the money, but you end up digging a hole. And it sounds like Ryan, this is what happened is you just keep digging deeper because at the end of the day, you have bills to pay. You have a family to feed. You quit a job to do this thing. And, and you gotta, <laughs> I wish I, I love working with startups. Cause I feel like if I can get you in the beginning and I can get you in profit first, then you don't have to dig yourself out of the right. hole. Now, yeah. if you do dig a hole, profit first is also really good about that. Yeah. Um, it can help you dig out of that debt. And it's a very relatable story. Like Ryan, it sounds like you've been digging yourself out of a hole. Tommy Mello talks about, I'm going to exaggerate because I always do, but there was like an Amex bill that was like $800,000 or something. And he had, it was probably 80,000, but you know, and he, he was like, couldn't you let me know when it got to like five or something, you know, and he had to dig himself out of that hole. Um, and, and the, the key is it, you're never going to outsell it. You're never going to get out of the hole unless you start buckling down and looking at it. Yeah. So should we talk about what to look at? Yeah. yeah. How do we do that? Okay. Rock and roll. okay. So the profit the and loss statement, um, if you run a profit and loss statement, it's really important that you look at it against something else. So my favorite two ways to do this is you could look at a profit and loss statement for like last month, 
but don't look at it just for last month. Look at it last month compared to the same month the previous year. And then you can kind of see your growth. You can see Ryan knew he went from 700,000 to 1.2 million. You can see that the top number is growing, right? But also importantly, if you're watching your wages go up or if you're watching your materials expense go up, because raise your hand if you're paying more for labor or raise your hand if you're paying more for supplies, right? You need to know that like, hey, am I spending more faster than I'm making more? Uh-oh, red flag warning, right? Or you can look at a profit and loss report like this year to date compared to the previous year to date. So right now, we're this is happening at the end of 2021. So when we look at this year to date compared to 2020 year to date, if you had a little dip in the beginning due to COVID, I'd like to remind you like, yeah, you're doing a great job, but also remember that global pandemic that shut down your company. Right. Yeah, remember that thing. Um, so those are really helpful ways to look at it. Another, I love this because the profit and loss, we can look at it like every which way. And I encourage you to, because there's going to be one way that makes sense to you. And that's the only one you have to look at. Mine's so once, quarterly with percent of income uh, percentage column. Yes. So I was going to say monthly with percentage of income. So literally QuickBooks Online, if you're not using QuickBooks Online, send me an email and I will. my assistant will send you the draft response of why you should switch to QuickBooks Online. Um, nobody should be using desktop anymore. But QuickBooks Online, you can run a profit and loss statement and you just check a box and you say, show me percentage of income. And then you can think about I, I am happy about looking at industry standards for benchmarks, right? So what should my cost of goods sold be? What should my materials cost be? What should I be spending for every dollar I make on labor that I'm paying out? Um, and so this, this report gives you those percentages without having to do any math. Because fun fact, I'm an accountant. I actually don't love doing math. I do very basic math. I have a lot of technology that is math for it. me. Right? I knew it. Right? I knew it. You okay. weren't a true accountant. I know. I I I tell people no like, one smiles this much as a true accountant. And I tell people, I'm like, you wouldn't know it from my personality about my day job is. And then people are like, yeah, that's a lie. And I'm like, it's not a lie. I'm legit. I'm legit legitimately a CPA. Um, so Ryan said his favorite report was to run that profit and loss report and check that box with percentage of income, but he likes to look at it quarterly so yes. he can see bigger chunks. And that makes sense to him. For me, monthly makes a little bit more sense because I have a better handle on what my monthly expenses should be. Um, but if you, if annual makes sense, like whichever weekly, I don't care. Well, I like quarterly because here's here's the challenge that we've got, especially with uh, it's become more of an issue with all the product delays. So you you order a door, right? It takes like three months to get in. Um, and so you got sales because we measure sales. You got revenue um, and you got profit. And so I measure all three of those. And you have, I might install a big project this month and have big sales. But next month, all my expenses hit because they sent me a net 30 bill and it was the last week of the month. And I'm going to pay out, you know, $30,000 in equipment for this one job. But I, I took the revenue in a different month and I paid the bill. And so it, it can be deceiving sometimes when you look at just the single month, especially right now with all the delays and products and stuff. So what, what I try to do is uh, I get less anxiety when I look at the quarterly numbers uh, because it's more evened out a little bit than that, it is just a monthly uh, basis. And that makes a lot of sense. And I am feeling you're, you have a lot of listeners who are nodding their heads about the delays, right? Yeah. And they know that things are backlogged. They know that they're selling stuff that's not getting installed for several months. Um, the, the key and the secret to what Ryan said, though, is you have to look at it quarterly because we're now in a very heavy inflation period. And if you wait to look at this once a year when your accountant does your bookkeeping or you sit down to do your taxes, you're going to be between six and 10% behind by the time you sit down and look at it. So and let me clarify, I, yes. I will look not at it just once a quarter. I look at the last three months, rolling three rolling months. Three so, months. Yeah. yeah. So it's like this month, I'll look at it. I'll look at it on a monthly basis, quarterly basis, and then year to date. And, um, you know, th there's, and there, I think I realize the power of comparing year over year, uh, probably year three, when I was like, holy cow, like I felt like we were struggling head down and I started playing with it. And I was like, oh, you know what? I'm going to compare year over year. Um, 
from last year and or year to date from last year. And uh, we were we were ahead. And I was just like, wow, this is crazy. Like, I didn't feel like we were here. Right. You know why we were struggling? You know why? Why? Because you're getting tired because you've been head down for three years. Like we get, this sucks. We get tired. This is stressful. COVID sucked. And now it sucks because you have production delays. You have shipping delays because you're getting price increase letters because you can't find good help because you're having to pay more for good help. This is stressful. This is hard. And so what I like to do is like, if we can figure out and and this, what I love, because now we've said we don't care about fair prices and we don't care what our neighbors say and we don't care what other people in our industry said, right? Like, I hope that everybody heard me and you agree with me. Like, this is all about you and your business only. Um, but just choose a number, any number. Like, Tommy Mello loves average ticket. I love average ticket. Okay, I love, I'm going to take it. Tommy, it's not yours. I love average ticket. Tommy Mello loves conversion rate, right? But choose one number in your company, net profit, total sales. Choose one number that makes sense to you and focus on that number for a month and then add a second number, right? And focus on that number for a month. And you're constantly making it a game against yourself in your company to improve it. But you can't improve it if you don't look at it. You can't improve it if you don't understand it. And you can't improve it if you do, no offense, Ryan, but what Ryan did for the first couple of years and you just put your head in the sand, you're like, I'm just going to sell more. I'm just going to sell more and we're going to grow fast and it's going to be fine. And, and it sometimes works out. Sounds like in this case it did, but usually it only works out with a lot of pain on the tail end. So it's much easier to choose a number now, set a goal now, if you're going to choose sales as a number you want to look at, though, you have to watch the bottom line because it's so depressing to me when somebody's worked their tail off to add an extra million dollars to revenue and the bottom line didn't change. Consistency in everything, including price, reliability, quality, not just quality, but great quality control. These are things that describe Somer USA. Somer's not some startup company, not one that you need to be worried about going out of business in the near future. Somer and their family of businesses are $200 million companies. They're in over 100 countries, and they have locations in 20 countries. This is a large organization who stands behind their product and works through integrity. And there's not another company out there willing to drop what they're doing and help you out like Somer. These guys are awesome. Not only have they been loyal to the Torsion Talk podcast, they've been loyal to the technicians and the owners of the companies who install their product. In my opinion, if you're not at least offering Somer as an additional option, you're cheating yourself. Listen, first time dealers, I've got a special for you. If you buy 10 or more Somers between now and the end of the season six, while supplies last, we will offer you free shipping. You have no more excuses. The prices are great. The product is amazing. Go check out Somer USA and order 10 for free shipping. I'm gonna tell you guys a marketing secret. You want to gain more social media likes, shares, and follows? People love unique and cool projects. There are no better photos to share than the ones on Schweiss Doors social accounts. These guys post some incredible things. Make sure to go there and like and share their Facebook and Instagram posts with your business account. So if you like their business account, you can share their uh, their post. The bifold doors are awesome and they're doing some great projects that will go viral on social media if you share them. Go right now to Schweiss Door on Facebook and check out some of the projects they share and like their page. Oh, and don't forget, no one builds a better bifold than Schweiss. As a home service company, we're landlocked a little bit. Um, you know, I came from software where we sold internationally. So it was nice. And the biggest issue we had was you had too many opportunities. So it's like, where do you focus? Right. So we, when we brought in new salespeople, we'd give them a territory, we'd give them a hot list. Like these are the top 50 dealers that we want you to go after. And then you can work on the rest as well, but you want to have like the big dogs, the medium and the smalls. And 
you want to have a good balance of those in your pipeline here. It's like, Hmm. All right. Well, we got like a 30 minute, you know, 30 mile radius around our shop. And there's like also 500 other dealers in that same radius, uh, hyper competitive. So uh, we decided to test opening up a new location about an hour away. Uh, we did a showroom and this feeds into kind of who we are anyway, because we're, we try to sell like higher end garage doors and whatnot. And so um, this, this showroom for us in a very short amount of time, it was a huge risk because again, we aren't super profitable. Um, but I did the math and, and with my marketing and staffing it and, uh, all the utilities and everything, I think our fixed cost are like 12, $15,000. And we just opened it in August and we're already pumping out 30, $30,000 in revenue which is puts us at about a break even um, within three months. Well, three months from now, I should be making $10,000, $15,000 profit. And then six months from then, 20 or $30,000 profit. So the math is adding up and it's scary, right? Because you're adding expense, you're signing a contract for three to five years for a new location. You're committing to hiring a person to man it. You know, you're building it out. We spent a ton of money like building it out. Tamara, are you grinning? Why are you so happy? What's going on here? I'm just listening to you talk. That's all. Oh Don't God. call me out so much. Lord have mercy. <laughs> so it's scary, right? Like that decision was hard. It was scary. But at the same time in my gut, I knew like we got to do this. There's nobody else over there. This is a good area, like high income, high, like a bunch of garage doors per house. So we did it and it's paid off very well for us. And so now we're looking at kind of duplicating that process. But as a home service business, I think there's really only two ways to grow and that's expand locations or expand services or both. Um, what do you- well, And I feel like I don't grow for growth's sake. I think that that's sometimes something that I fight against a lot in this industry is people like having a big business. And I like to question the why of having a big business. So, um, it, so I'm a before, what's that? I'm a builder. Yeah, I then that's I can't and that's, not build. And that's fine. And they say, you know, if you're not growing, you're dying. I, I get all that, but I like to just remind people like to make sure everything else is is like in good shape first. So there's a lot of risk in growth, there's a lot of risk in new locations. And so kind of like check in and see like, am I gonna work less if I do this? Am I gonna work more? Can my family life support the working more? Am I gonna make more or am I gonna make less? And being really thoughtful. I think what Ryan just described though is a very inspirational story of how the second time is easier. And he started with the numbers the second time. So when he opened that location, he knew exactly what his fixed expenses were. He knew exactly what his break even point was. And he knew exactly how many months it would take before he hit the goals that he was wanting to hit. And it sounds like when he described the story of the first time, it was the opposite. He was just selling for the sake of selling. Head first and get as much as possible. Right. And he didn't know what the fixed expenses were and he didn't know how to keep them lean. And he didn't know, you know, when he was going to hit that profitability point, um, which it sounds like, you know, it took a couple of years to hit and now you hit in three months. So that's amazing. And that's the way to do it. And that's when we say math is the path because you're, you're, you're hitting it out of the park. You're basically, you stack the deck in your favor and you're going to win because. And I'm taking fixed ops people and turning them into revenue drivers because I'm sticking someone over there who's helping answer phones, manning the showroom and assisting the sales team uh, out in the field. So we needed someone, another person answering phones. And we we were like kind of out of offices at Buford. And so I started processing it and I was like, man, what if we did this? And those people became revenue drivers instead of fixed ops expense. And, uh, and that felt good to me. So we rocked with it. Yeah, that's awesome. And um, there in my industry, in window cleaning, we have a man named Brandon Vaughn. And Brandon Vaughn says like the easiest way. I know Brandon. Okay, yeah. So Brandon has this awesome talk that he gives and he talks about like how to build a $3 million company in like a year or something. And basically throws a million dollar company up and then he he copies and pastes it and then copies and pastes it again. And it's like one of the most effective presentations because like, it's a pretty clear path to the first million. But then, like you said, you're landlocked and we kind of hit these, like, Oh, we're hitting the cap. We're hitting the cap. Yeah. And so, you know, copy and paste, plug and play 
to the next location and do that again. Um, I just encourage you if you're listening, I, I can't not, I can't leave it alone. I have to say it again, like make sure the bottom line's solid before you do that. Make sure that you like where you're at with your profit margins, because you can, we joke, uh, you can squeeze a lot of the cottage cheese, right? You can really squeeze a lot out of a business. Um, before you're ready to scale it. So we also say nail it, then scale it. So make sure it's nailed before you start expanding. And we have spent an awful lot of time in the past, probably year and a half, two years working on SOPs, um, you know, building uh, structure, organization, training. And so uh, we couldn't have done that prior to all of those things for a hundred percent. Totally. Awesome. So we've got, uh, tracking our PL, we've talked about growth. Um, let's talk about employees and employment. Like, um, when you're, how do you know when you're ready? Like, I get this question a lot, and you probably are a better person to answer it. How do you know when you're ready to hire somebody? Um, and how do you find the money for that? Do you uh, wait until you have the money? Do you save up? Do you charge extra uh, to compensate for the extra people? Let's talk about fixed ops first, and then we can kind of talk about when are you ready to hire your first salesperson or technician or whatever. Interesting. I don't get asked this a lot. Um, so I have a I have a podcast called Fight Club for Business, and um, we have there's four of us on that, and so we have like a people person, and I was in like, oh Martha, and then I'm, I'm rarely on a podcast by myself. Like, where's Martha? This is a Martha question. To, you want to so, phone a friend because we uh, we do have a phone a friend feature. Should phone a friend, and uh, Martha Woodward should absolutely go on your podcast because I've learned awesome. everything I know from that woman, and she's a genius. There you go, Tamara. Okay. Writing yeah. it down. Okay, I'll the make challenge is you got to have her scheduled before the end of this podcast. Oh, God. Since, since Ready? the bar was said hi with Megan. Yeah. Ready? Go. Um, no, she's amazing. And she talks all about people and culture and, and, you know, bringing people into your company. I was reading on the plane yesterday, who, not how. And I feel like that, that, that book has a very clear path about the hiring process. So I encourage you, if you have not read it yet, to read Who Not How. And they talk about how um, employees should never cost you money and employees should always be there to serve a need that will save you time and that you should be able to focus your energies on income producing activities. And our goal is to get to our highest level of output, which I think I started to take pretty seriously in my companies with likes accounting after that first year, because I did what Ryan did. I grew fast. I, I, I went out on my own to be a one woman team to like save entrepreneurs and help them make money. And like, I just had this very idyllic sense of the world. I'd already built a successful company. I knew how to be self-employed. Like it was going to be great. And then I bought a business. I grew to a team of 10. I kept scaling and I had created a job that I hated. And so then I had to spend like a year or two unwinding from all of that. And now we're getting to go into probably like the fifth version of Likes Accounting Company, which I love and is epic because it's where I am delivering- it's epic. Oh, you're in California. You guys can still say that. Oh, well, I'm also however I'm old and I don't care what people think about what I'm I say. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It's fine. All right. Look, this lady is costing me a fortune, y'all. Um, <laughs> I've already financially backed her uh, her little mission and I've bought two bit books uh, since we've been on. This one happens to be on Audible. So I know a lot of you guys are in trucks. So if you're uh, who, not how. And it's by Dan Sullivan and Dr. Benjamin Hardy. Um, it's so good. And the right. idea is we are only one person. We only have a certain amount that we can put out. So how do you organize your life and your org chart and your business so that you can deliver your best self to the most people? And how do you build a team around you that does that as well? And if you can stick with some money drivers in there, right? So if we're going to prioritize. I mean, I'm not going to do a whole book list, but he bought first, um, how much should I charge? And that kind of helps you figure out like how much should you, how much is an hour of your time worth? Mine is worth more than a thousand dollars an hour. So when I know that my time is worth more than a thousand dollars an hour, because I don't like to work that much, then I need to find people around me that I can pay less than a thousand dollars an hour to help me deliver my best work. And once you start thinking about it in those terms, it becomes easier and it becomes less scary. Now, the math has to support it, 
right? So you, if you are going to hire out a task that you're doing, a lower level task, then you have to commit to spending the time that you're going to save on the higher income tasks, right? And then the money will follow. If, if I can do the $1,000 an hour work, then I can hire, you know, a lot of $100 an hour task people, right? Yep. So that that's how I feel about it for hiring. I know that I likes accounting is a different kind of service business. So that may not resonate with you if you are listening to this and you own a garage store company. Um, but let's put it in terms of technicians or were we talking about, what were we talking about? We're talking about operating fixed people. Ops. Or? Yeah. F- fixed ops or yeah. Sales technicians, you name it, installers. Like um, I mean, in anything where they're either revenue generators or, or they're literally, uh, as, I mean, an expense to the bottom line, like answering phones or accounting people or whatever. So we're hiring a new office manager for likes accounting company. And I was just in that interview before I came here. And um, I, I love this idea of an A player like, and I have to be careful because I know this is public and I loved the people in this position for the past 11 years. I loved them. There was two, they both lasted over five years. Um, it was a pretty traumatic breakup, this most recent breakup. And I will tell you that I had 487 applicants for this position in less than 10 days. And my executive assistant filtered it down to her top 20. She did phone interviews with them. She did all these screenings and automations, got it to top three. My husband and I are choosing our top three. And I will tell you that my company will double in the next year because this is a rock star in that position. And I will tell you that I would pay any dollar amount that she offered. So please don't launch this until after I make my offer, but any dollar amount that she said, I would be like, yes, take my money because you're going to make- She sounds like she's going to be smart enough to negotiate after she comes on board too. But, and she should, because my company is going to double in the next year because of this next hire. So I, I know I have enough money in the bank to make the payroll. I know I have a profitable business to keep money in the bank, to keep making payroll. And I know that I am now on a hunt for a player's to build a team around me to scale my company. Um, and Tommy has lots of inspirational things. I can't believe how many times I've said Tommy Mello in the past hour. It's weird. No, it's weird that he's, he's not here, Ryan. Like I just kind of like switched to Ryan. It's that it feels unnatural. Uh, no, Tommy, we love you. But um, he says, you know, the cost of an A player when you talk about sales and he's got a lot more math than Ryan, I'm sure you've got good math, but um, I know like a good technician. And stuff up than I do. What's that? He's got more stuff adding stuff up than I do. Okay. Well, I will tell you that in my window cleaning company, which is very different than your garage door company, if you're listening to this, that an A player is bringing in $300,000 a year and a B player is bringing in $75,000 a year. So our mission as owners and as operators is to find more A players because we're bringing in a ton. (laughs) Tamara, you're a show off just for the record. (laughs) We're bringing in a ton more money. (laughs) All right. So got a question for you because I've seen this happen a lot. Um, You start a business and you want A players, but you can't get them. Nor do they really want to work for you yet because you don't really have much established. And the A players are going to go to places that are uh, growth oriented typically have vision, have, you know, organization where they can come in and just tear it up. Uh, so you hire, you hire what you can get a lot of times, and then you, you experience turnover. Um, and there's different phases of this turnover, especially with startups where you start hiring people that are out doing the work of two or three people that you hired originally. But then as a business owner, you create this relationship with these people where it makes it very difficult to be like, Hey, you gotta go. Um, you really need Martha Woodward in your life. Like she right. fixed all of this for me. Um, and I don't, I don't know if I'm the, I like cut you off. I don't even know where this is headed, but I feel like I'm not the person to answer it, except I will say that you attract what you deserve. So you like, we have to work on ourselves in terms of like being a cool place to work, like having a sexy window cleaning company or having a sexy garage store company or having like confidence in where you're taking your company. You as the visionary, that's your job to not only like feel it and live it and breathe it, but also communicate that. Um, And I think once we get better at communicating our worth and our vision, then we attract better people. And I think turnover is a great thing, actually, because I get better every time I hire somebody and I get better every time I train somebody. 
Um, I know it's expensive though, but we're refining a process, right? We're refining a position. And we're talking internally about uh, our plans for next year and we don't have a trainer. So it's kind of like a shared effort, right? Which pulls us away from like our daily duties. I don't have a trainer, which is why I had to walk through an alley by myself because my husband was home training. Yeah, that's crazy. I need a trainer. And you guys didn't catch it, but I just said duty. Um, But uh, what I do know is we need a trainer, but we can't afford one right now. So we're going to have to split up the duties, duty. And with the trainer, uh, like with us training, I don't want to train, just like put that much effort into one person. And we're trying to hire apprentices and we know that maybe some of them won't make it all the way through. So we're hiring more than we need because of that. Right. And if they all make it great, like uh, whatever, but uh, you have we'll a marketing figure. company. That is a great problem. If they all make it right. You will just yeah. sell more. <laughs> well, Wait, this, is for my door company. This? <laughs> this is for the door company. And, and I'm, I'm in a position where I'm like, okay, well, uh, you know, it's scary because Josh and I, my general manager, we're sitting here looking at each other like, who's going to do this? <laughs> and we're like, we're probably the only ones because everybody else is too busy doing what we need them to do. So it's going to be on us. Uh, and then, you know, we can throw them in a truck for a day and have them go out and we can get some relief and work on growing the business and doing what we do a day to day. But ultimately, like it's going to be on him and I to train these people up. Um, and that's not ideal because we're already very busy people. So, I mean, you find yourself in these like stuck positions. Like I remember, um, you know, I knew when I first went into a garage and installed a garage door, I tell the story quite often, took me 11 hours to install the door and motor, which is absurd. Uh, But no one had ever trained me to install a door. So it was crazy. Um, And I knew that if I was in a garage, I was wasting time because like you said, my time's more valuable somewhere else. I'm better out selling and, um, and building relationships and growing my company. So I hired an installer. That was the first hire I made. And so I continued to answer phones till I couldn't answer phones anymore. And I hired someone to do that. Um, and then eventually got to the point where I had to make a decision. I was the best service guy that we had, uh, highest sales numbers, all that. And I had to pull myself out of the field so I could, you know, pull myself into the office, start working on my business instead of in it. And that was probably the scariest moment because I'm a salesperson driven. And now I got to trust people with my entire life to go out there and sell my product like I would sell it. Right. Um, and they're not going to sell it like you're going to sell it. But they're but if you hire and especially early when you're like desperate for somebody and nobody wants to work for you because you got a you know one year old company and you know you're pitching the dream, you're selling the vision, but they're like, ah, okay, this is interesting, but no like true, you know, 10 year vet is like banging down your door. Right. So it, it's a very difficult position. And in software, we saw it like where we hired people, we got whoever we could. And then we ended up getting people after we got some traction who came in and was like, Hey, we're interested in coming to work here. And we we're like, really? Um, and so they were really good. So we hired them. They started putting up big numbers and we're like, wow, these people put up big numbers, but what about the people we started with? And then you're kind of like evaluating talent. And then now you change your recruiting process, but it's all raising the bar, right? Like you continue to get better. And unfortunately you will outgrow some employees over time. But, but I think the most difficult part of it all is, um, you know, we tried something where we hired someone, we hired somebody to do outside sales. Like they, the, all their whole job was to call people and um, try to call interior designers and architects and she killed it, but we hit a little rough patch. And I told her, I was like, Hey, listen, um, you proved a concept. I'm really thankful. Uh, but right now I can't do this. Um, and so we probably will get back to that or we'll create a shared, uh, a shared role for that um, for, for outside sales but we proved a concept and we know that we can go back to that. And so we kind of funnel down that path, but how do you know, like, I know you said we probably need to have the other lady on the podcast, but financially, like there's never a good time to hire one of those first few people. You get to a point where you're stuck 
And it, you're at a breaking point where it's like, okay, I either have to take a pay cut, which I did take pay cuts in the first couple of years to hire people. Um, you have to take a pay cut or you just have to have faith. Like I'm going to hire this person. And it's going to free me up to be more effective. Like how is that? I think if you hire the right person that it, if it's the right person and you really have the need that they should bring in like four times what you're paying them. And if you've got a good business, it, it works, but it has to be the right person. And this who not how book talks about kind of the filter, the impact filter of how, how to attract the right person, how to find the right person, how to like recruit the right person, and then how to get them up and launched and effective so that they can be during that four times their salary. But people should never cost you money. So it should never be considered expense, even when we're talking about in the office. So I think getting really clear about what do you need? Who do you need to do it? How are they going to do it best? And then finding that person, it, it sounds really financially irresponsible for you to say, but they should never cost you anything, assuming it's the right person and they're in the right seat. I like it. Anything you want to add to that particular portion? No, that was fun. This is fun. Thanks it for having fun. me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so there was something that we spoke about at the beginning. I said we would talk about at the end. Um, so was you have a podcast. Her, the paperless thing. Oh, the yeah. paperless thing. That's right. But um, before we get into that, you yeah. have a podcast. What's it called again? Called Fight Club Number Four right. Business. So you guys go subscribe to Fight Club um, for business. Yep. Fight Club for right. business. And we talk uh, all things home service. So marketing people, finances, and systems every week. Beautiful. Uh, it's fun. Then I want you to go make sure if you haven't already, if you were driving, make sure you go to uh, the pad project.com. Plural. It has to be plural. The pad. Sorry. This the is not pad. a good marketing thing because there is a pad singular. So, okay. The pads project.com and donate uh, $10. Um, you can give more if you're in a giving mood and it is Christmas holiday season. Um and then we've got, uh, you have another business what, what, where you do consulting and stuff, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I'm a lot of businesses. I feel bad like taking up all the time. I, I have five at the moment. Um, I, awesome. my favorite my business, my favorite business is my window cleaning company um, that I do with my husband. Uh, it's, it's just a fun business. Like and where are you at? Where, we're in where Northern California. We're in Davis. Davis. I'm yeah. not familiar with that. We're near Sacramento. Come visit. I love okay. to give tours of San Francisco and Napa. That's oh, apparently exactly. an open invitation to all listeners. I, I give an epic <laughs> tour. That um, awesome. Yeah. You're going to have to uh, run a bus. We'll just coordinate it with all yeah, of Yeah, that's perfect. I, I like in the next life, I will be a, a tour operator, but probably not in Davis, although I do love Davis. Um, I have an online business called Bookkeeping Academy Online, and that's where I do most of my teaching. So I'd like to teach in group settings now. And I have a couple of signature courses, like how to do your own bookkeeping in less than an hour a month without any previous experience. Mm. Um, but I feel my, like you get blown up by a bunch of people on that one. Okay. Well, it's a fun live with me four week course in a group setting. It runs every other month. You can find it at bookkeepingacademyonline.com. It is what I call my signature course. And once you graduate from the course, I I invite you to join a membership program where we talk about money and we talk about business and we talk about growing our business with money every month. Tonight, I'm giving a talk in that membership group about the state of the economy and how we can leverage inflation in our business. Um, but I'm very specific. I will not let anybody into the group. You have to be a graduate of the course. So we have to know that you understand the importance of profitability. And we have to know that you actually have numbers that you can rely on. Otherwise, I feel like I'm doing you a disservice and we're just making a bigger mess. So that's Bookkeeping Academy Online and its latest workshop uh, that is hot off the press last week is uh, Your Paperless Office. So you can go to yourpaperlessoffice.com. And in an hour, I will show you my signature five file folder system so that you never have paper in your office, your life, or your family again. Um, Jesus, all in that, y'all. It's so fun. And it's cheap. It's $37 regularly. And because Ryan twisted my arm and talked me into it, we have a $10 discount for you. So, so if you type in, 
If you type in torsion 10, the number 10, one zero, uh, that will give you $10 off of your paperless office, which is a fun little workshop showing you how to, how to get rid of the paper that kills my soul and Ryan's soul. And it has nothing People to do with slow cats. you down. And guess what? If you leave a paper and you go somewhere else, you have to drive back to pick it up. What sense does that make? And when you travel 40 weeks out of the year, that's impossible. Yeah. So I ran my business for a couple of years without a printer and all my employees fought me tooth and nail. And finally I gave in. So we have a printer now. I think I've used it maybe five to 10 times in the last three years. So uh, you ran it. I ran an accounting company without a file cabinet Um, and no file cabinets. I absolutely insisted on no file cabinets and, and um, they, they, that's why they call me a disruptor in the accounting industry. Um, I've gotten a lot of attention for, I, I almost had a robot in my office. Like, I like technology. These things are cool. I can geek about it all day. So I'm a tech nerd as well. Yeah. Yes. Uh, well, thank you so much for your time. Uh, I feel you. like you just gave me a thousand dollars. I'm so proud of you. And um, I think that it's fun to get to know you and your business. And um, yeah, this was, this was a good chat. Heck yeah. And we already sent the invite to the other lady that's going to come on and talk about people. Yeah. And I mean, Culture. geez, this was like so productive. I got two books that I got to read now. I mean, you created a lot more work for me, but they're very easy. I'm books. smarter. Both should take less than two hours to, to read and implement. I don't think you know who you're talking to, but you're speaking okay. his language. I am <laughs> hey, a busy lady and we said my time is worth a lot of money. So I like the efficient. Yes. I, I'm a huge fan of Blinkist. If you've not checked it out, that's like, it's the cliff notes for business books. Oh, nice. heck yeah. So you can read pretty much any business book in about 15 minutes and then you can decide. Wow. Is this productive this Sunday morning church right here? What, what is it called? <laughs> blink, Blinkist. like you blink your eye and then I-S-T. How do I not know this stuff? Huh? I'm a tech guy. That's, that's why you do your podcast. To like learn all right. sorts of cool, fun things. Yeah, this is. You're awesome, Megan. Oh, thank you. You're awesome. I can't wait to tell you about Austin because I think you're going to like it. So I'm going to, we're going to chat offline about why I was not. You have a fan club here between us. So awesome. Thank you so much, guys. Make sure you sign up for the paperless. Yourpaperlessoffice.com. Yourpaperlessoffice.com. You get $10 off. That's the $10 that you donate. Oh my God. Did it not just perfectly worked out? She's a numbers girl. She planned this whole thing from the beginning. No, I'm just kidding. I had no intention of talking about menstrual. I know, I'm just kidding. You that was that. all me, y'all. It was all me. So uh, save the $10 on the paperless program and then donate that to the charity. It just works out. See, it was such a, a perfect moment. All right. Love it. You guys be safe out there. Have a wonderful day and make your business better every day. Bye.